fear, anger, paranoia. I was listening and I, I, I was listening to salt and light. I, I, I was listening to the way it ought to be and how refreshing it is for you to be a part of a church family in this place that we, unlike the world, we can come together in love, come together in harmony, come together with patience and long-suffering. By no means are we perfect. Every one of us is a sinner. We still have our own issues to face, our own problems to overcome. Nonetheless, in this crazy world, we can come and on a Sunday afternoon be salt and light in this community, a sweet spirit that can be a good testimony to others. Uh, Let's not overlook the, the work of God that maybe goes on around us and we are just so used to it happening that we don't think about it. But I, I was listening intently just now and, and I heard voices in, in, in unison and in harmony together as a church family. And it's a wonderful thing. It, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. We're not perfect. We're not a perfect church. You're not perfect people. I'm not a perfect pastor. Uh, but on Sunday, we come together in his name and under his leadership, his instruction, his grace, we experience a little bit of heaven on earth. That's, that's worth being a part of, and that's something to be thankful for. Brother Tim, you come. Amen. All right, we will be in Matthew chapter 24 this afternoon. Just go ahead and grab your Bibles. Matthew chapter 24. Start in verse 42, but before we do that, give you a minute or two to turn to there before we get diving in for today. While you're turning there, you can, you can listen while you turn to that passage. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of, there's a TV show called Undercover Boss, and I'm not sure, it, you guys are snickering, you kind of know what it is, but it basically, if you don't know what it is, it's this show where these you know, CEOs and you know, vice presidents and all these people in charge of like, you know, multi-million dollar companies take on the uniform of one of their employees and go to like this, you know, location and they'll act as though they're like a, a new trainee. They'll go there and they'll be like, you know, oh, I'm just starting out work here. Like, what do you do? Like, do you follow the rules? Do you not follow the rules? And sometimes it's funny to watch some of like, if you're going to look it up afterwards, watch with discussion because I'm sure there's some of them that aren't you know, relevant, but the majority of them are fine. So when you're watching it, you can kind of see like, you know, oh, this is, this is the way we're supposed to do it. Like you're supposed to, you know, put the burger in the deep fryer and then you take it out or you do it this way, but I do it this way. And some of them you watch are absolutely crazy. You know, some of them like their kids are running around during the store and their kids are touching food everywhere. Like some of, some of them are just absolutely crazy. And the CEO is like, what in the world is going on? Like at this establishment, and, you know, later on in the show, they, they reveal that the person that was actually being trained was the CEO and the boss. And a lot of the people are like, man, if, if I would have known that was the boss, like, he just wasn't a lowly person. If that was the boss, I knew that, then I would have done things a lot differently. I would have, I you know, followed the rules. I would have done it the right way. And we can kind of see that in the story we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the story of the good servant and the evil servant. 
and you have it right here. We'll read, the, we'll read what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 20, 24. Start in verse 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I labeled this, uh, if you want to go back to the title, I, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit, was where, when, and why are you living? You might be thinking, that's kind of a weird title. Where, when, and why are you living? And we'll get to that in, in, in due time. But what I really want you to think of is in this scenario, we can see that there are many people who are looking for the coming of Christ, and there are many people who are not. Who the people will say, oh, you know, the, the second coming or my time is still so much more, I still have so much more time in this life that, you know, I can delay a little bit of my good thoughts, my good, my good actions, and I can delay that because, you know, God won't come today. Who knows when he's going to come? And they can see that their view of eternity is not where it should be. And that's where we're going to jump in today. So first point, where are you living? We'll jump ahead to that. Where are you living? And it's kind of weird for you to say because, you know, where are we living? Like, do you not know? Like, do you need a map? Like, we're living here in Michigan, in Mile, Michigan. Like where, like, where do you not know where you are? But I want you to think about where are you living spiritually? Where are you living spiritually? The first point is where are you living in God's plan? Or are you living in your own plan? And a classic, classic example of this is we will look at the prodigal son. Now, you all might know the story of the prodigal son already, but for, for simplification reasons, I'll kind of summarize the beginning of it, and we'll jump into, into midway of it. Basically, this man has two sons, and his son comes to him and says, I can't wait to get my inheritance. Give me what I'm supposed to be right now. All right, well, this applies to everybody, but who in here has kids right now? Who in here has kids? All right, if you don't have a kid, how many of you are a kid? Which is everybody else. Everyone else is you. You're either a parent or you're a kid. You're one, you're one or the other. So imagine this. Imagine, you know, you can, you can apply this either way. Imagine your kid comes to you and says, man, you know, I just can't wait for you to die. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I love you, but I, I just can't wait for that day to come. You, you think you could just, like, split the inheritance right now, and then, you know, I can, I can just go off and do whatever I want? Can you imagine that just... You know, I'm, my, my in-laws are here. Dad, what would you say if I came up to you and said, I'm sorry, Dad, I just can't wait for you to pass on. Can, can I? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He's out of here. It's, it's crazy to think about that situation, but that's what happens. And we'll go ahead and look in the verse. You don't have to turn right there, but it's, it's uh, Luke, chapter, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We have it up here for you. I'm just going to turn my Bible here quick. should have marked my page here quick. All right, Luke chapter 11. Read verses, oh, excuse me, Luke chapter 15, 14 through 19. I'm all over the place right now, I'm sorry. All right, we'll start in verse 14. 
And when he had spent all, talking about the son who had, given, who had taken his inheritance, and when he had spent all, therefore, there arose a mighty family in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent, unto, sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish while hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. You can see here that the prodigal son kind of realizes what kind of state he's in. He realizes that, you know, in this, in this parable that Jesus is talking about, he's talking about how the son goes off and does whatever he wants, and he's living for his own life, and you can see the consequences of this. He goes off and spends whatever he wants, he does whatever he wants, he lives in his own plan, and these are the fruits of his labor. He's completely broke, he's feeding off of what the pigs eat, and he's just he's completely destitute, completely doing his own thing. We can see where the prodigal son ended up. I want you to think about where are you at spiritually right now? Are you spiritually in the, in the story of the prodigal son? Where you're kind of following after the things that you want. You're chasing after the dreams that you want. Or are you following after what God's plan is for you? I would, I would tend to believe that the majority of you here that are here in this established, in this church right now are already trying to follow towards God's plan because you're here. But for some of you listening online or you know, listening later or whatever it may be, maybe you're not following after what the Lord's will is. Maybe you are following what after you want to do. We can see here in the end exactly what happens to the prodigal son. He completely becomes destitute. He completely goes and does whatever he wants. And you can see the fruits of his labor. The one phrase that I, I always like to say, and I've said this many, many times, is that you will never regret following after the things of God. There are many decisions in our lives that we make, that we make our, our own decisions. We do whatever we want, and we get to the path that ultimately are our own choices. And a lot of the times we, we regret that. We regret those decisions. But the decisions that you make following after God, you'll never regret. It's crazy to think that, you know, have you, ever, have you ever thought of, you know, sometimes doing something that has a hundred, like you know for sure it's going to have a hundred percent success rate. Say, I'm going to, let me, let me think of this. Pastor, if I wrote you a check for a million dollars, and I told you there's a hundred percent chance that if I give you this million dollar check, it will be cash in the, in the bank. You get a million dollars, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt, no question, this million dollar check is yours. You would want to take it, you want to cash it, Right? Because it's guaranteed that that will come out the way you want it to. But so often time, we try to figure out, oh, well, I want to do it this way, or I want to do it that way, or this is the thing that I want to do. But you already are guaranteed success. Isn't it hard to believe that you're guaranteed success if you follow after the things of God? So where are you at spiritually? Are you following after your own life, where you know the destination will not be what you want? Or will you follow after the things of God, where you know you will have a 100% success rate? So that's where you are. So now, when are you, excuse me, when are you living? When are you living? And there's always the three things. You're living in the past, living in the present, or you're living in the future. And we can see in our first verse how the people of that day and age had already said, oh, the Lord's not coming, my master's not coming back, I'm going to delay, I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to you know, live with these people and do these things, and I'm not living for the future because who knows when it's going to happen. So I want you to think, are you living in the past the present, or the future. 
You may think, well, how do I know if I'm living in the past or the present or the future? I'll give you a little test. How do you know when you're living? First thing, if you're living in the past, you focus on where you've come from and what you've done instead of what you can do right now. This is the classic thing. This is kind of like the, like the sports dad, where it's like, oh, you know, my son plays such and such for you know, the, the Mayo Thunderbolts. And, you know, back in my day, I was, I was a quarterback, and if I didn't hurt my knee, I would have I done this, I would have done that. And, you know, you think about people who are living in the past. They're, they talk about their past accomplishments, all the things that they've done, and they're not really living for the future. They're kind of living in the past. They, you know, they have their accomplishments. They've done this, they've done that, and that's what they're proud of. So if you're more worried about what you've done in the past than what you can do in the future, then you're living in the wrong time. So what about the present? How do you know if you're living in the present? You only care about what happens next. You live for the next moment and hope to get through the next day, week, or year. And this is a classic example. A pastor talks about this all the time, about the world. They live for the next moment, the next day, the next weekend, that next year when you're going to get this, the next, you know, you pay off the house, you pay off the car, you get the snowmobile, you get the quad, you get whatever you want, you know, the next biggest thing is what's next. It's just, just you know, short-sighted, this is what happens next. If you're living in the present, you miss the big picture. If you live in the past, you miss the big picture. Because if you're living day to day, week to week, year to year, you don't, you don't foresee beyond that. You don't see eternity. You can see the last thing. If you're looking towards the future, you realize your future in Christ and plan for his coming kingdom instead of your own. There are so many people who are trying to build their kingdom here on earth. Right? If you just look at everyone out here, like, you know, like in the past or the present, they've built what they've wanted. This is the stuff that they want. But if you're looking towards the future, you realize that everything you do in this life for yourself, it's not going to come to fruition. Everything that you do for Christ, for his coming kingdom, will benefit you for eternity. And that's the one thing we need to realize as Christians. Sometimes we build wealth. We see the world building wealth for themselves, and that's what we want. That's the things that we want in this world. But as we saw in our passage earlier, we don't know the coming of the Lord. We don't know when he comes. So therefore, we should live for the future. So if you're living in the past, if you're living in the present, if you're living for what you've accomplished and what you've done, or what you're doing right now, living day to day, or just getting that new thing, you're missing the point. Living for the future is the only way a Christian should live, for God's coming kingdom. So we looked at where are you living? We've looked at when you're living, and now look at the last thing, why? This is a classic question that the whole world likes to, to throw around, you know, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here, you know? Were we, did we really evolve from apes, or did we get planted here by aliens, or like the, the whole world is like, why are we here, why are we here, you know, what's the whole reason? And the one thing I always think is, is funny is, you know, us as people were always like, you know, what's the meaning of life? And, you know, you kind of see, like, uh, in the movies, you know, the person climbs the huge mountain to get to the, the, the monk that, you oh, you can ask one question. You ask, what's the meaning of life? What's, well, like, why are we here? You know, what's the meaning of life? And he gives you some, like, vague answers, like, you know, you live through the universe, and whenever you pass on, your memories last forever. He gives you, like, some weird vague answer, like, what the meaning of life is. But, you know, we as Christians, we know what the purpose of life is. So, why are you living? Are you living in light of eternity? Are you living with a life understanding your eternity? 
your final destiny. Because as we saw earlier, the things of this world, the things of this life, it doesn't matter to us. You can, there are many cases where people will be going through certain things in their life, certain horrible things, and they realize that the trials that they are going through right now, it doesn't matter to them because they know what their eternity is. They know what their final destination is. It doesn't matter what's going on in their life right now because they know what the future will be. I, I've already said this story before, but I'll say it again for those of you who may not have heard it. But there was a lady uh, who had really terrible cancer, and it was to the point where she was just, you know, waiting for her last moments. And a pastor came and visited her and said, you know, how are you feeling? How are you doing? She said, you know what, I'm just, I'm just ready to go home. I'm just ready to go home. And if you think about it, you're, you're at home. You're at your, your house right now. What do you mean by going home? But she said she's ready to go home. She's ready to go home for eternity. She realizes that this home, this world, is not her real home. She realizes that eternity is her home. So we can see, are you living your life for eternity, or are you living a life of confusion? There are many people who don't know their eternal destiny. They don't know what's going on in the future. So they live in this confusion, like, what, like why am I here? What is my purpose? Is, is, my, is my life only going to be, you know, getting that next small thing and, and building wealth and, and doing what I want to do and following after the things that I personally want? Are you living a life of confusion where you don't know where you are or, or what you're supposed to be doing in this life? Or do you fully understand your eternity? Do you fully understand what will happen in your next life? When it comes down to it, when we're living... Our, our eternity, and I'll, I'll end with this, is that it comes with a real confusion to the world. We feel like the world is completely turned around. We feel like the world is completely backwards. But then when we come to it ourselves, sometimes we ourselves are living in confusion as well. Because if we just live in our, in our, in our complacency, and we just go to church, and we just read our Bible, and just do whatever we want, and we're not actively reaching the community, we're not actively winning souls, we're not actively trying to better our community by giving them the gospel. We kind of live in our own spiritual confusion, in a sense. So I'll, I'll leave you with this when it comes to eternity and why are you living. Instead of living in a spiritual confusion of not knowing what your eternity will be and not looking for the coming of Christ and not looking for what your destiny is, I want you to really sit and wonder and think, what can I do now to affect my eternity? What can I do now to affect others' eternity. Instead of living in this state of confusion, instead of living in this spiritual you know, bewilderment of not knowing what's next and what should I do, I want you to think about your eternity and the eternity of others, those you love, those you, you have uh, friends and connections with. Think of their eternity. Because just like in our first verse, see that nobody knows the hour when the Lord comes. Could be today, could be tomorrow. We don't, we don't know. So I want you guys to really think of living for eternity. Where are you living spiritually? When are you living? Are you living in the present or the past? Are you looking towards the future? And why are you living? Are you living in light of eternity? Are you living a life that's just full of confusion or spiritual confusion? Really think about what it is that you want in your life and what it is you hope to attain for eternity. I want you to look towards eternity and I want you to really understand that this life, this home, is not for ourselves. It's for the betterment of Christ. And I hope that you can live your next upcoming days really thinking about eternity.
Dearly Father, I just thank you so much for this time that you've given me to, to come and to just preach what I believe you've laid on my heart, just to teach what exactly I believe when it comes to eternity and how we should focus on eternity, how we should focus on the things of you and not just our own personal day-to-day lives. I just thank you that you've given us the gift of salvation, the gift that we can freely accept from you. I just thank you that we can realize that eternity is, is real and that we can achieve it through you. Thank you for this time you've given me, Lord. I just pray that uh, my message was able to be clear enough, and I thank you for all the opportunities you've given me, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand, please. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And I trust you will contemplate properly what Brother Tim just shared with us. Jade's going to play the piano. The invitation is open. Thank mm-hmm. you.